I'm going to come in with a quote that we received recently on our survey that we've been putting out. It's where we're collecting people's testimonials from their experience with bailiffs. We had a resident in Haringey come say, a few months ago, a bailiff turned up to claim council tax debt because we'd accidentally defaulted on the payment. All it would have taken would have been a phone call or a letter, but they passed it straight to the debt collection agency. The bailiff tried forcing entry by putting his foot in the door and refusing to leave when asked to multiple times. I was threatened, intimidated, and bullied for about an hour inside my own house by someone who appeared more fit working for a criminal gang than a council. Freddie here, the organizer in Herringay, London, is describing an interaction with bailiffs. A number of towns and cities in England will hire them not just to do evictions from public or social housing, but they'll hire them to go in and demand in-kind contributions from people if they're behind on taxes that they pay to their local councils. Police take tons of people's property in the U.S. too, of course, but it's always ostensibly while prosecuting a crime. But what we're talking about here is just straight-up loan shark-style debt collection. Here's Orla on how it works. If some companies where they have a debt will pass the debt to a more specialist debt collection agency. So you'll get like letters, demands to pay by certain dates, et cetera, and follow-up phone calls, that kind of thing to chase payments and promise to pay conversations. Will you pay X amount by X date? And if uh, people fall behind on that there, then they might find that there's a knock on the door and there's, a, you know, maybe someone who's a little bit less interested in negotiation and maybe more interested in action, maybe quite keen to help you settle that debt by exchanging some of your possessions. That might be something like your television, or it could be your microwave, your mobile phone, if anybody's got some sort of a computer device, that kind of thing, I, I expect. And then that could be sold on probably for quite a difference between what it's worth today and what was, was paid for it. So yeah, I think that's the kind of conversation that happens when a bailiff knocks your door. I don't think it's terribly pleasant. Welcome to Acorn Radio. Taking what's ours, that can be as basic as the right to a shred of dignity. Acorn the Union in England and Wales has several campaigns going now to stop the use of bailiffs for debt collection. You can go back and check out our episode from December 9th, profiling the efforts in Manchester. Today you'll hear from three Herringay members and Herringay's organizer about what moved them to take on this campaign their hopes for it, and what joining the fight has meant to each of them. Dave, Sean, and Freddie all talk here about run-ins they've personally had with bailiffs. When I first moved to London, we were living in, uh, in Harleston in the squat there. And it was a really productive environment. It was great. Everybody was working or trying to work. Um, and it was, a, it was a good place. Unfortunately, the property developers decided to send some unofficial bailiffs. So we don't know exactly who they were, but they didn't, you know, they didn't announce that they were coming, there were no letters, and they were there to try and forcibly evict us through through force. You know, they, they were they had crowbars, they had implements to gain access. And when when we contacted the police, they said it's a civil matter and they didn't want to get involved, even though it's illegal under the Protections from Evictions Act. And when that was explained to the recall handler, it didn't make any difference. They just weren't interested in protecting the rights of squatters. 
we weren't viewed as residents of the borough. We didn't care. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in there because I've had some experience with a bailiff before, not to do with with debt, but no letters actually came to me because it wasn't it was someone had used my name, so I didn't get any of these letters. It was only when a bailiff turned up at the door that I knew what was happening, and I think that's what's so striking is this really like scary intimidating system is built on paperwork that is often just in communication that just completely breaks down and you have all these things on paper of oh well we go through you know as a council we go through all these steps and people are let you know informed of all this time and it, it just doesn't happen in reality they have their own dress or it just doesn't turn up uh, and regardless you know it, it ending in that as we've heard is is, is still just completely the current way to deal with vulnerable people who are just trying to get by Personally, I've had bailiffs arrive at my door. And again, I was in a similar position to Sean where it was collecting a debt that none of us were aware we owed because it was it was a previous resident of that address who owed the debt. And I was shocked just at how immediately aggressive those bailiffs were, as if you know, as if you committed some sort of heinous crime rather than just living in an address which was registered for, for debt collection. It was amazing how quickly that conversation turned unpleasant, how quickly they were trying to sort of force entry into the house to try and sort of like have a look around and yeah I think it's like that was that was that was quite scary and I'm glad I sort of had the knowledge from from being with Acorn for a while to to deal with that situation at the time we're here today with members from Acorn Haringey in North London to talk a little bit about our work in North London and one of our upcoming campaigns Orla to start with you could you just talk briefly about how you sort of heard about Acorn and why you joined Acorn I volunteer for one of the food banks in Haringey and I manage their social media. And so I have an eye on the neighborhood all the time. And I noticed that Acorn had done a really successful campaign, putting pressure on the third party supplier for Haringey Council to improve facilities at the local pools and the gym. And I was really impressed by what they achieved in a very short space of time. Brilliant. Sean, what about you? What got you interested in community organizing? Um, our secretary, Sarah, actually, she started doing some things on resisting evictions and member defence, and she just kind of got us all rallied up. And the area that I live in, there's quite a good community there, and I think that really showed me how important it is to have that and the good that it can do, especially as in those warehouse districts now we're re resisting eviction. You know, mega works, and, yeah, so I was really motivated to do something with the time that I had and the anger that I had to help people in need and help us with some change in the community. And yeah, it's been amazing. Brilliant. And Dave, how about you? You went to your first branch meeting a couple of months ago. Uh, how did you sort of hear about Acorn and what do you think so far? Um, I heard about it mostly from social media. And just local residents as well that have been involved. And yeah, just decided to sign up and get involved in the, in the organization and just see, yeah, what, what's, yeah, what's involved in it. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about our new campaign that we've just launched on Wednesday, which is very exciting to ban the bailiffs in Haringey. Sean, could you talk a little bit about what that actually means and maybe give a bit of background on that campaign? Yep, so our campaign is to ban the bailiffs. And it means when it says our win for this campaign would be to ban the use of bailiffs for council tax debt collection in Haringey. And the reason that we wanted to do this campaign was because we understood that the cost of living crisis is also a cost of debt crisis. And 
with inflation, we know council tax, uh, council tax has also increased. And as people struggle to pay the bills, they're also going to fall into debt. And we just think that bailiffs are a violent and humiliating way to deal with debt collection. And we just thought that as ACORN, we could do something about it, as we will touch on later, the ways that we can get out of that. We just felt it was really important to act on it now with, yeah, with the cost of living crisis happening. Could you talk a little bit more about how we chose that campaign, what the planning process has been, sort of where that where that idea came from and how we developed that into, into a campaign? Yeah, so we all met for a branch meeting and we brainstormed for some ideas. And this was one of the ones that came up. And then we all went away into little groups to research different ones. I got involved with this one because it's the one I felt most strongly about. And then we all had a few weeks, I think, to work on research. We met on Zoom to talk a lot about it and just built a proposal around that and then proposed it at a branch meeting and everybody voted. And it was a near unanimous vote for this. So that was great. Orla, I kind of want to come back to you there. Um, you work with people who find themselves in debt. Can you talk a little bit about your experience working with debt? What kind of threats bailiffs pose? Give a bit of a background on your sort of work and what kind of reasons people might fall into debt. We have 22 food banks in the east of the borough of Haringey. So that's three postcodes, N15, N17 and N22. Essentially two towns within the Haringey borough. So that's quite a lot of people in need. So I volunteer at one of the food banks and people will be referred to our food bank because they're in financial crisis. There's a whole host of reasons why people will struggle with their debt. Mental health issues, things like the breakdown of a relationship are part of the problems for, for debt right now. Then there's things like not enough work. Zero hours contracts means that people are working two and three jobs to try and make ends meet. There's a large proportion of society who are now renting, so the rent may be more expensive than if they own their own home. I recently was chatting to a community group member here in Tottenham, and she was telling me about when she came to England as a refugee from the Ivory Coast 20 years ago, she didn't know what council tax was. And so when she got these letters about paying council tax, it didn't register with her. English wasn't her first language. So when you're really struggling with language, understanding how the system works, in inverted commas, you've got all these additional complications. And nowadays, everything has been pushed through computer systems. If you phones up, maybe, you know, a, a, a company that you owe a debt to, you might not get to speak to a human. And, and some of it is around financial literacy as well. So, you know, middle-class people like myself have learned from their families that there's good debt and bad debt and high interest rate credit cards and other sorts of uh, contracts that people might take out, you know, aren't as aren't as flexible. And if they don't understand how to manage and balance all of that there, that can really become an issue. But the number one reason why people are arriving at our food bank right now is because of problems with their universal credit. Now that's the welfare system that the, the current government in the UK has brought in. It has debt within the design of the system. So if I was to lose my job today and qualify for universal credit, and it is extremely um, difficult today to to qualify for them. There's all sorts of different rules these days and there were before austerity started 12 years ago. 
I'll start to receive payments in five weeks' time. So what does that mean for me today? What does that mean for me next week and my family, et cetera? Then what the government does with that system is they give you a, an advance. So you're immediately from the first week in debt to the, to the, to the government for all other reasons why people will end up in financial crisis, but that's essentially the main reason and, and research has shown that through Trussell Trust. Fairly recently, I received a couple of letters from a bailiff company, I forget the name, but employed by Harley Council. And it is, a, it is a concern because you just don't know when somebody's going to knock on your door. You don't know when that's going to happen, when it's going to be first thing in the morning or every time the bell goes. Yeah, you just don't know if that's the debt collectors. And, you know, you're already struggling, trying to, trying to heat, trying to eat, trying to, you know, trying to survive in London, which is really expensive with rent. Rents are going up every year. My rent went up £300 this year. Um, and that obviously comes out of your budget for food and everything else that you have to pay for, your travel, everything. And it just, it's an uphill struggle. And the bailiffs just don't help. I don't see the, I don't see the benefit of employing them. Do they actually, how much money do they actually recruit from people? Is it? Does it actually make sense to, to use them? You know, you know, doesn't seem to make much sense to me. I work in business during the day. From what I know is that this sort of thing is meant as a deterrent so that businesses and, and those who may be deciding to put off paying these debts may hear about this situation and fear it so much and that's why they pay up. But no, I don't, I don't think the cost of sending someone to knock on everybody's door and spend 30, 40 minutes talking to them about you know, what they would like to give in exchange for their debt, I don't think it's cost effective. And what we'll find is that it, it really defeats the purpose. We're doing casework with these people at our food bank to put their lives together, get on track. And then something like a bailiff situation can happen and that certainly unends all of their plans, their mental health plummets, their, their, their children become aware of something that they were maybe trying to shield them from when things are scarce. Parents go without so parents won't eat so that their children will eat. And you get swept up in this kind of tsunami and, and it's very, very easy to go under. We've spoken a little bit about the sort of, I guess, the fear that bailiffs can invoke, and that, that's kind of quite intentional. I want to talk a little bit about alternatives to bailiffs. Shah, maybe if you'd like to come in, is there sort of examples of places that have banned bailiffs, or what kind of alternatives would you like to see? Yeah, so firstly, just to clarify what already happens in Haringey. So while we were researching, we found that Haringey do have what they call an ethical debt policy in place, but... We just found that there was a lot of holes in it and it, it was a good start, but it just doesn't go far enough. For instance, they say that bailiffs are not used for people who are on low income or deal with mental health issues, but there's not any information on how this is defined. So that's something we really want to get clarification on, especially when you could deal with mental health issues and not have that physically on paper somewhere to, to warrant you protection in that way. And... We know that we propose that having a council will be better off saving public money by banning the use of bailiffs because they spend so much. I think when I was doing research, it was I got through about a quarter of the year looking through their uh, through their budgets and found they spent like a quarter of a million in a matter of months on on debt on debt collection. That's not that'll be for commercial too. That just shows like it's such a vast vast 
payment for them. And Hammersmith and Fulham is one council that showed that it, it really doesn't have to be this way. In, in 2018, they decided to ban the use of bailiffs to enforce council tax debt completely. And they actually saw an increase in their collection rate. So when they came out and said this, they said, over the last year, we have collected 96.76% of all council tax debt we were owed, an increase on the previous year's figures. And that was without using bailiffs unless it was a completely last resort. So instead of resorting to bailiffs after the usual the usual way it goes now, they would do things such as early intervention, working with people who offer advice like Orla and... Yeah, just working with charities and and, and 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 so that people know, as we've spoken about, people know what needs to be paid and how they can do it and actually working with people rather than against them and, and treating them as people who have willfully neglected this and, and let debt mount up. So that was what was so striking for us, seeing that, um, and I spoke to somebody from Step, Step, Step Change Debt Correction Charity too, and, and he spoke on this and he said, that it is just such, as well as it being a system of fear and intimidation, it just creates a cumulative debt that just grows and grows and ends up having to be written off anyway because people just can't pay it. So council spending loads of money putting people through really intimidating, awful situations to not even recuperate that debt because the money is just, the debt is just growing and growing and people don't have the the means to, to pay it back. So yeah, we saw that and Hammersmith and Fulham is, is a successfully banned them. So we believe that Haringey can do the same. Yeah, that that's a really, really interesting point there, actually, that referring debts to enforcement agencies isn't just sort of cruel, but actually quite inefficient as well. Bit of a wild card question then. £250,000 on bailiffs. If you were in charge of the council, Dave, what would you spend that on? Something to do with like rent controls or something, because it's just getting worse and worse every year. You know, I've heard of people getting their their put their rent put up by like three four hundred pounds. A lot of people, so it's across the board. So something to try and bring down the costs. I think with an extra quarter of a million pounds, Haringey could invest in debt advice, particularly along the lines of what Step Change do, what Citizens Advice do, and what Melissa, my colleague, does at Tottenham Food Bank help people understand more about money management and, and how to repay their debts. I would also invest in public services and community spaces for people who are dealing with having to use food banks, being unable to pay rent and having debt mounting up. I think there's just such a dearth of that. And that's, that's what I saw in Hammersmith and Fulham as well. They, they said that they, they'd saved money to do this, not by just by banning bailiffs, but just looking at their current contracts and where they're wasting money, essentially. It's, it's just what is the priority of the council and people's well-being and, and helping them to help themselves and, and not this punitive system that we have so far. Yeah, I mean, those are really good ideas all around. Sounds like you guys should be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> So coming back to you, Orla, then, say bailiffs were banned tomorrow, storming victory for Acorn Haringey, what kind of difference do you think that would make to the people that you work with? And what kind of difference would that make for, for the borough? Well, I guess I'd start by saying I fully appreciate that councils have less, less money than they used to have. They're trying to do more with less money. And if you think about the whole sell-off of council properties and how the money goes into Westminster, it doesn't actually go back into the councils, I do have a lot of empathy. But what I would say is that 
I don't think it's enough to just ban the bailiffs. I think all of the who support vulnerable people who are in debt need to work together harder. And I think we wouldn't call a victory on that. I don't think that's enough. It's not leaving a legacy. And, you know, we have all sorts, many, many nationalities in Haringey and some of the communities that have you know, like social injustices that they're dealing with and, and generational trauma. They also come from cultures who didn't borrow and don't understand debt. And I think we do need to um, plow um, and invest in building capacity within these communities so that they can understand more about uh, what's available. Great. So coming to a close then, I'll just go around and ask what one thing is that you guys are looking forward to working on this campaign. Um, just to see it a growing base of support of, of just normal residents that want to get involved and want to challenge the council and challenge things that are being imposed upon them. And yeah, just to, to find out more about what our rights are regarding bailouts, because I don't really know, because the situation is different in Scotland than it is in England. So there's a lot of, a lot of differences. Yeah, just to get more information in, in general, because knowledge is power. What I'm excited about with this campaign is the openness that the local branch here in Haringey have to collaborating with other community groups, so food banks, other campaigning organisations. And that, to me, is really very exciting. You know, there's that whole movement around enough is enough here in the UK with the cost of living coming on top of a couple of years of a pandemic. And I think if we're all working together, we'll be stronger. Yeah, I second what Dave and Orla have said. I'm excited about those things too. And I'm also excited to just get out there and, and do some actions and inform people who don't know what's going on, who have no clue about how often bailiffs are used and that they can be an alternative. I think there is this, sometimes when, when you're raised with, with debt being so baked into your society, you can think that there's no alternative and you can just think that bailiffs are just a part of that. So I think being part of a movement that can show and hopefully work with other, yeah, with other groups and, and, and push for this change, it can, it can show not just in Haringey, but more nationwide, how this can continue to change and help ban the bailiffs and help people with debt across the country. Great answers all round. Well, just to finish then, say I was listening to this episode, I was hearing about ACORN for the very first time. I wasn't quite sure if it was for me, I wasn't quite sure whether to get involved. What would you say to me? Mm, what would I say? I'd say go for it because you never know what you're going to learn and discover about yourself. And the, the, the sense of meaning that I get from this is second to none, just meeting all kinds of people that I wouldn't have met. I'm working on something that feels like you're trying to do something about the the dearth of inequality in this country and that you can fight back with your community and feel connected to people in this quite isolating country. What appeals to me about ACORN is that it, it's a union that's not just aligned to professions, so teachers, ambulance workers, railway workers, et cetera. So uh, I don't have a union for my job and uh, it, it's great to be part of this and connect with all sorts of different jobs of people because I think that is the strength in the unity. As a fairly new member of ACORN, I find it really positive. It's fairly non-hierarchical. You know, people are really supportive of each other and it's, it's, yeah, it's a really good thing to be involved in, yeah. 
Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me to chat. Great stuff from North London. If you want to support acorns all around the world, subscribe to the podcast. Your $2.99 a month will be hugely helpful to those of us working at the Acorn International headquarters in New Orleans. In the meantime, share this episode with anyone you think would like it. Leave a review. Keep fighting the good fight.